Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Titus chapter 2, we're picking up in verse number 11. Titus chapter 2. And verse number 11. We're going to pick up verse number 11. We're going to read all the way through verse number 15 in Titus chapter number 2. And I would ask that you pray for uh, the children's churches going on and the Spanish church going on and then all the children's classes going on uh, during this hour. And our children's churches, uh, we have designed and wrapped it around uh, the young people using their gifts and talents for the Lord. Uh, so they, uh, they do the singing, they do the ushering, they do the greeting, they uh, do the preaching. And uh, in fact, uh, if you uh, have children that are going to be doing one of those things in, during the children's church, please make sure you tell the pastors of those churches, let me know. And I know that this morning, uh, Brother Miss Summerford's um, granddaughter is singing a special. Is that right? Singing a special this morning. And so they're... That's why they're sitting in the back. No, really, uh, they want to catch the cowboy game. And uh, so that's why. Um, so, oh, I heard a boo. And uh, I didn't say anything about the Steelers. I was refraining. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, so if you do, if you do have uh, a child that's doing something, please, I don't want you to miss that. Have somebody videotape it. And one of these days, I'm going to bring them in this auditorium and let them sing here first and then go to children's church, they'll die. And that's all there is to it. Uh, but anyways, but you pray for them. Verse number 11 of Titus chapter 2 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly, righteously and godly would you please take note of this prepositional phrase and let's read the very end of verse number 12 are you ready in this present world and i'm going to stop right there and and then i'll read the rest of this after we pray heavenly father lord when i read that little phrase right there in this present world god i'm i'm, I'm amazed at how your word is so timely I love the fact that when your word was settled in heaven, you did not make your word to evolve with this world. You settled your word so that no matter at what point on the timeline that we as believers would live, your word is relevant right now. God, I know what my mission is this morning. I know what you have called me to do as a pastor on this Sunday morning. I do want to stop and Thank you for my pastor friends, and Lord, as we were texting back and forth this morning with several, God, please watch over them as they uh, stand behind the pulpit of wood and they preach your word. May you bless them on this Sunday morning. And God, I don't know how you do it, but you are in every one of your houses at the same time. Amazing. And Lord, thank you for your individual attention to us. Bless us now, please. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in this present world, I want you to notice the context here, in this present world. Let me stop and just tell you that God has uniquely placed you 
in this present world where he wants you. Do not think that you are right now living in the place where you're living. You have the family that you have. You have the job that you have. That you have the surroundings that you have. And it's all by happenstance. No. God uniquely designed for you to be exactly where you're at right now. It didn't say in the future. It didn't say in the past. What it said was this, that in this present world. So now all of a sudden when you look at it, in this present world, he, you are to deny ungodliness. Wherever you're at, whatever pressures you're facing, guess what you're supposed to do? If you look at the beginning of verse number 12, you are what? To deny ungodliness. Now, your ungodliness and my ungodliness that we face wherever we're at are totally different. There are some of your jobs I could not do because I could not withstand the ungodliness. I, I couldn't take it. And some of you could not do my job. You say, but pastor, you, you work at a church. Everybody that you interact with because you're a pastor, they're always dignified and saintly, and you never get to hear the bad of society. Have you lost your mind? Do you remember the last conversation we had? No, I'm kidding. And uh, so, so, so understand that there is a segment of society that doesn't even respect a pastor's or they feel like you're a pastor. You've heard everything. Let me tell you something. I'm 54 years of age, but there are a lot of conversations that I'm like, oh, oh time out. I have no idea what you are talking about. You know, I'm just going to give you one instant. Uh, a gentleman was trying to tell me about his drug addiction and and, and he kept saying, you know. And I was like, I don't know. He goes, no, 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 you know. And I was like, I don't know. And it was like, no. And listen, there, so my ungodliness and your ungodliness are totally different. Look at it. In, in worldly lust. Let me stop and just tell you that in the present world I live in, the worldly lust I encounter are different than the worldly lust you encounter. Live, 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 that we should live soberly. Look at verse 12 righteously and godly in this present world. Look at it, it says in verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself that he might redeem us from all iniquity, purifying, purify unto himself a what, please? Peculiar people. Would you look at that? He, he wants to purify a what? Peculiar people zealous of good works these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority let no man despise thee god has uniquely placed you in this present world and if you'll look at verse number 14 it says he has redeemed us that he might redeem us from all what please iniquity and purify unto himself a what peculiar people the place where god has put you in this world not any other place. We live in this, well, if I were just living in that place, if, if I had that job, if I could go to that school, I would be a much better Christian. No, God has put you exactly where you are at. He's put you in the home you're at. He's put you in the marriage, and I can't say this enough. He's put you in the marriage you are in. He has not put you in this world to blend in with this world. He has put you in this world to be purified to become peculiar 
We live in a day and time to where we think getting the gospel to a lost and dying world has to happen by blending in. No, he has redeemed us to purify us, to make us peculiar. When the prodigal son got up and started going home, he didn't stop at, at, at the bad places and there. No, no. He went all the way home because it's a picture of the closer we get to the Father, guess what? The more peculiar we're going to become. God didn't call you to fit in. God called you to be peculiar. And in this present world, you and I are to become peculiar. For what? What is the reason we're supposed to stand out? There are a lot of people that are like, Pastor, you don't know how hard it is to live as a Christian in this world and you live on a job and you go on a job and you're out in this world and, Pastor, you just don't know. Listen, listen, you should not be blending in with the world. You should be standing out in this world. And I think pastors need to tell the believers across America to tell, you that, tell them this. We're not having revival, not because the world is, is, is wicked or more wicked than past generations. It's because Christians are more numbed down than past generations. Because we think that we are the shining light on the hill if we're blending in. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5 that we're not to hide our light under a bushel. A bushel was nothing more than a peck. It was nothing more than a bag. And what they, what the, in, in the old times, what it would mean was is that this light would hide behind this, this bushel, this peck of wheat. And then it was hid enough that everybody in the house or everybody around it could go to sleep with no bothersome. And then the thieves would take that light and they would be opportunists at that time and then they would come out. Do you know what's happened? And what the Lord was saying was, stop being an opportunist Christian to find the right time and be a Christian all the time. Because we were not called to fit in. So I started out by telling you this, God has uniquely placed you in this present world not to fit in or blend in, but to be peculiar. Peculiar for what? Peculiarity for the sake of what? Do you know when you go to a football game and you'll see the people go to a football game and how many times have we thought to ourselves, them people that dress up at those football games, those guys that paint the letters on their chest, you know, and what's funny is, is when they get out of order and, and they're, they're cheering and it's like, hey, you kind of misspelled your mascot, amen? But, but you know what? In the stadium, they're not peculiar. In the stadium, they are exactly where they need to be. We were able to take our G to a Michigan State-Alabama game. Is that? No, no. Michigan State-Ohio State-Ohio State-Michigan State game. And, uh, and Ohio State's all about, uh, RG's all about Ohio State. Well, I'm, I'm like, I'm not rooting for Ohio State. I can't stand Ohio State. I, can I get an amen on that one? And to show you how much I hate Ohio State, I voted for Michigan State more than I would Ohio State. But guess where I was at? I was surrounded by a bunch of Ohio State fans that their faces are painted up, their hair sticking every which way, they're, they're wearing this, you know, though your sins be like crimson. And so they're wearing this, this, this sinful, but in the stadium, they weren't weird. But when they decided in their house to dress up and paint their face and get their garb on, when they got in their car, 
they were peculiar. When they stopped and had to get a coffee or have to use the facilities, and they got out of their car with their big headdress painted up, and they walked into some place where everybody was normal, guess what? At that point, they were what, please? Peculiar. And you didn't have to doubt what was going on because when they have the garb on, all you got to say is you don't fit in with this gas station and you don't fit in. And no, 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 you're headed to a game, aren't you? And let me tell you, in this auditorium, an amen doesn't make you peculiar. And you're not peculiar in this auditorium because you carry the word of God. And you're not peculiar in this auditorium because you sing the songs of God or shout amen or, hey, brother, how you doing? You're not peculiar till you leave this auditorium and you get out into this world that knows not God, likes not God, doesn't want anything to do with God. And then when you start becoming peculiar, but why? Why should you put yourself out there? Why? Why should you live this kind of life? I want you to look, please, at at Titus in, in, in verse number 11. Verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to how many men, please? All men. Back up to verse number 10. Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may, what, adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Can I tell you that God has uniquely placed you in this present world? The next set of thought I want to give you is this. God saved you for heaven. God left you for other people to get to heaven. God saved you for heaven, but God left you for other people to get to heaven. And unfortunately, the average believer doesn't get it. Well, he left me to make money. He left you to tell other people how to get to heaven. He's allowing you to make money to put you in a position to tell everybody you're making money with how to get to heaven. Well, no, he's left me for this. Whatever you think he's left you for and whatever your passion is and whatever your joy is, let me tell you something. He's given you that joy. He's given you that opportunity. He's given you that favor, not for your ego and not for the the trophies on your mantle, but he's given it to you for you to be the Esther in the kingdom, in the right place, at the right moment, for you to have relationships, for you to say, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus Christ? Never take for granted that God's blessings on your life are not for you. God's blessings and favor to give you that job and to give you that promotion. No, no, it has nothing to do with you. God God saved you to take you to heaven. God left you to tell other people about heaven. The most miserable life a Christian will live is a Christian that never one time tells somebody about Jesus. Would you write down three words for me? Would you write down the word lost or keep it in your memory? Lost, this is what the world is. Lost. This is why people wander into drugs lost. This is why people fulfill this void on the inside with something else. They're lost. The second thing I want to tell you is this, grace. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. This grace is reaching out. This grace is trying to give you and I salvation. The grace has a sister word named mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is you not getting something you deserve. If I, if I were to hit you and you said, oh, pastor, 
Oh, pastor, that hurt. And I'll tell you what, pastor, I'm not going to call the cops on you. Thank you. Thank you. But pastor, one more thing than that. I'll be right back. And that's you going to your car, getting a $100 bill, and bringing it back to me and giving it to me. That's grace. Grace is giving me something that based on my action, I don't deserve. Mercy is you forgiving me. Grace is you giving me. I want you to notice those two things. Mercy is you forgiving me. Grace is you giving me. You know what the Lord did to you? He not only forgave you, but he wanted much more than that. He wanted to give you a home in heaven. This is where the Catholics get this doctrine of purgatory because all bad doctrine is based off twisted scripture. They think, well, no, he'll forgive you, but then he's got to put you in limbo until somebody can get you to what he wants to give you. No, no, no. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And once he forgave you, he gave you. Once he forgives, he gives. And he not only forgives you of your sins that would send you to hell, but now he has given you a home in heaven. This is what the world needs to hear. You have lost. You have grace. And then the third thing you have is lifestyle. Whenever you break into talking about somebody's lifestyle, it's automatically turn off that preacher. But do you know what the preacher's job is? The preacher's job is to tell everyone this, that God saved you for heaven. He left you to tell other people how to go to heaven. He uniquely placed you in this present world. The co-workers you're going to see tomorrow. The family members you will see. The neighbors you will wave at. The neighbors you will interact with. Those, 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 those co-workers, that lady at the grocery store, that lady at your favorite restaurant, that waitress, these people you interact with, they sometimes are lost. And God has put you there. God has allowed you to cross their path. We're getting ready to build the campus out here, and, and we've had to have many conversations, and the bindery is coming down this way, and, and I have been just amazed at the number of conversations that we've had to have, and, and, I, and, I've, and we've been privileged to talk to a couple of gatekeepers in the city that have really helped us to some degree um, because there's just a lot of permits you have to pull and a lot of things you have to do. And I was talking with one of our city employees uh, last week, and, and we kind of were, were discussing something, and, and it, was, it was a quick in. And then while I'm sitting there looking at him, I said, you know why God did this? And he goes, why? I said, God did this so that I could ask you a question. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? At this point, the average believer goes, well, what did he say? That wasn't the point, what he would say. His answer was not the reason. You know what the reason is? God saved me for heaven. God left me to tell other people about heaven, and God has uniquely placed me in this present world so that I could be there to tell other people about the greatest story ever. And But what's happening is this, is that the average believer's lifestyle has become so anti-Titus chapter 2. Would you please look there? And it's very interesting, Titus chapter 2. It has become 
ungodliness, and full of worldly lust. Now, I'm going to let you draw a line around, a circle around your life. And, Ms. Smith, every time I say that, I think about your grandson. Uh, Jaron was like, what, eight, nine years old, something like that, sitting back there. And I said, all right, take your pen and draw a circle around yourself. And he was drawing something, and he stopped, reached up, and drew a circle around his face. And then he went back to what he was doing. And I was like, oh, a literalist. And uh, so I just started laughing there. He sat the whole time looking at me with a, with a circle. So anyways, um, so I'm going to lay this at your feet because I, I'm convinced that the reason coworkers and neighbors and family members are not coming to church, I am convinced that the reason there's not revival among America in America among believers is because our lifestyle blends too much into the fabric of this world and there's no peculiarity about you and there's no peculiarity about me enough for somebody to say, I want Jesus Christ. I want to know about the Savior. And I want you to look at Titus chapter 2 and verse number 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and what, please? Worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. My question to you this morning is this, and here's the title for this morning. Is your lifestyle gospel-friendly? Is your lifestyle gospel-friendly? Are you blending into the fabric? You say, Pastor, this this is so generic. Could you preach on something else? This is the only thing that's going to matter when you and I die. Did you, you This is the only thing that's going to matter when you and I die. Everybody you come in contact with deserves to have you tell them about the greatest message ever, and that's Jesus Christ. I wish I was better at this. I hope you wish you were better at this. But at some point, somebody needs to push us to that edge. When they call you, it's not a wrong number. Start telling them about Jesus Christ. That's how you stop the spam. Amen? This this lifestyle that you and I live, if it's not a peculiar lifestyle, if it's not a different fragrance, if it's not something different with you and I, then guess what? We will just live and we will die. I'm not going to jerk any tears out of you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar in weeping over any condition that that exists other than this. Is your lifestyle peculiar enough that the gospel is heard? Or is our lifestyle so mirroring the world? That if we were to tell our friends about the gospel, that we would have a hard time. You see, it's not that they wouldn't listen. If you'll go to Romans chapter 10, please, and, and, I, and, I, and I just want you and I to understand that I think we got it all wrong. Romans chapter 10, why we're left here. We know verse 13, what a famous verse. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not, what please, believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not? And how shall they hear without a what? And how shall they preach except they be what? 
as it is written, would you look at this? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Did you see that? The preacher is to have beautiful feet. And I know we could right now start talking about your feet. And gentlemen, I praise God that you're not wearing sandals this morning. Ladies, if you got beautiful feet, show them off, I guess. But please, America, if your feet are ugly, wear shoes. <laughs> but there is a tie between beauty and the preacher. Do y'all see that right there? Beauty and the preacher. Now go back to Titus chapter 2. And there's also a tie between adorning and salvation. And I think a lot of times we must remember that we are the vehicle by which the gospel gets to the world. The hardest conversation you'll ever have about salvation is with somebody you spend a lot of time with. Those of you that go to a public school, listen to this. The hardest conversation you'll ever have is with somebody in that public school. The hardest conversation you'll ever have is around turkey dinner. The hardest conversation you'll ever have is out fishing, out golfing, together on break, together on a ball trip, because there's something awkward. And here's why. Because to the degree it's tough to talk to people about Jesus Christ, possibly, maybe, is to the degree we're not everything we should be. Now, everybody's not perfect. There's no way you're going to live up to the total standard of what that book preaches, but that's not the issue. Perfection has never been the issue. You know what the issue is? Just honesty. It's, it's just I, I know who I am. I do the best I can, but there's something beating in me that I need to ask you something. Do you know that you're saved? Somebody said the biggest message you could ever preach inside the church is salvation. That's not true. How many are saved? Raise your hand. The biggest message you'll ever preach inside of a church house is to tell those who are already saved to go preach the biggest message out there, and that's salvation. Do you know what made Dexter Lander such an impact in this town while he was preaching on the streets? It's because he didn't talk about people's sins on the streets. I don't know if you've ever been in a major city and you have seen the uh, you, you have seen street preachers hold up signs about people's sins. How many have ever seen that? And 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 and, and what they, they just create fights. But Dexter Landers, brother Landers, senior in this town. How many know who I'm talking about? The street preacher. If I could tell you story after story after story of somebody stopping me and going, "Hey, he goes to your church, doesn't he?" I said he does. Man, he's got boldness preaching about Jesus Christ. But he didn't preach about people's sins. He didn't preach about people's lifestyle because that's not the message this world needs to hear. John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever what believeth, that's the message they need. And then 17, 18, and 19 tells us he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. You know what the believer needs? If you're saved, we need to clean up our lifestyle so that when we preach the message out there, it's heard. 
And people are not having to wade through our social media and they're not having to wade through our last comment and not to wave, wade through our thievery on the job. There needs to be something happen on the inside that when we speak the gospel out there, our lifestyle makes our gospel credible. Makes it credible. I decided one day that I was going to go fishing. And uh, I, I, and it's several years ago when I first became pastor here. And so I, so I got Brother Queen's boat. I loaded that thing up on the trailer of that truck, little truck I had. And before I got my Buick. And so I, I am like, I got that, that, got that boat out there. And I am headed out someplace. And so I got my hat on, stopped by Walmart. I'm in line. And wouldn't you know it, preaching on the street corner is Dexter Landers. And he has this sign that says, Jesus saves. He's like, Jesus saves. What you need is Jesus. And, he's, and he starts preaching at the truck in front of me. And this, this man's sitting there, and I can see him in his rearview mirror. And so he's preaching at the guy in front of me, and I'm watching the guy's face. And Brother Landers is like, sir, sir, pointing that guy, that guy, that truck in front of me. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Sir, has there ever been a time that you've trusted Jesus Christ? He saves. He'll give you peace. He'll give you joy. And, and that guy and I locked our eyes, and he's just looking at me, and he just does that right there. Well, then Brother Lander realized it was his pastor. And then he starts preaching like this. And, sir, I know you go to church. And instead of fishing for fishies, you need to be out here fishing for men. Because that's what my pastor would be doing right now. And this guy's face in that rearview mirror looked at me, and I'm just like, he goes, ah. The reason Brother Landers was so successful was this. He didn't care about their lifestyle. Because he knew whatever was going wrong in their life could be solved by one person. And you know who that was? Jesus Christ. And the only thing I'm coming to you right now is telling you this. That if your lifestyle is covered up, and if you're there in Titus chapter 2, look at the text. If your lifestyle is covered up with ungodliness and worldly lust, and you are not living, verse 12, soberly, righteously, godly. If your life looks more like the world then it does like Christ. If your life is more about ungodliness than godliness, if it's more about lust than it is righteousness, then you will not be peculiar. And if you are not peculiar, then you can't be effective with the gospel. And many times people will say, oh, pastor, that's legalism. And do you know what I tell them? No, that's just being a good child of God. Now, here's the thing you don't need. Right now, whatever the Spirit of God on the inside is telling you, that is stopping you from being bold enough to talk to people about Jesus Christ, that's what you need to take care of. Now, I want you to go three things if I could. Go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, and I'm done. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. Three passages of Scripture, then I'm done. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. 
a city, verse, Matthew 5, 13, verse 4, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. It giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You are salt. You are light. Your lifestyle is supposed to have a little bit of savor to it to where you're in a conversation. Somebody goes, something different about you. Something different about you. Something's a little bit different. You know how you answer. Have you ever had somebody tell you when you've said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am? Have you ever somebody, stop that. How many has ever had that? How many has had somebody younger than you when you said, yes, ma'am, and they're like, stop that. You're older than I am. Do you know you can look, you can listen to somebody's speech. That's what they said about Peter. Thy speech betrayeth thee. There's something about somebody's speech that all of a sudden you're, you're, you're a different kind of person. You, listen, you, you and I have to understand God didn't place you where you're at. You're not in that neighborhood. You're not at that job. You're not where you're at because you're just there. No, God put you there so that you can tell people about Jesus Christ. But if you are like everybody else, there's no peculiarity. There has to be something different. You're salt and you're light. Go to the next one, if you will. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 1 through verse number 8. In the same chapter that we find that the grace of God is trying to get salvation to everybody. And he wants to use the vehicle of man to get you there. You notice Titus chapter 2 and verse number 1 through verse number 8. It talks about the aged men. It talks about the aged women. I'm going to let you declare how many feel like you fit that category right now. Okay, okay. And uh, the aged men, the aged women. And the Bible is very clear that God gives the aged so that they can teach the younger. So right in the same chapter with the grace of God and us becoming peculiar, do you know what voices should be happening? The voice on the outside. Mom and dad, listen to this. There should be this constant talking to your children that says this, hey, son and daughter, you're saved. You're saved. You're a child of God. And we live the way we live because we're saved and because the world needs the gospel. We need to stop tying why we do to where you're going to disappoint mama. You're going to disappoint daddy. You're going to break my heart. I'm going to have to cry. No, no, no. Always elevated to this son, daughter. If you're not peculiar and you've got Jesus Christ on the inside, you're going to come across a lost person one of these days. And if you're dancing on the dance floor with them, and if you're doing the things that they do, and you're doing the drugs they do, and you're talking like they talk, and you're walking like they walk, they're going to die and go to hell because they need somebody to get them the gospel. And you're it. You're it. When we start moving the goalpost of the why, what is the motivation? Here it is. Somebody just may die and go to hell because the believers don't up their game. If the sounds coming out of our house sounds like the sounds coming out of the drug addict's house, then what hope does that neighborhood have? Come on now. If your Bible and your windshield in the parking lot of the job where you work and on your way to that truck, you're cursing the boss man 
and you're griping and complaining, you get a truck with a Bible on there, and they get into a truck with a booze can in theirs. What is the difference? You see, I, I can't express this enough. We can't have any more silent disciples of Jesus Christ. There cannot be any more silent saved people. But the reason there is, is because our lifestyle so mirrors them that we're ashamed to tell them about Jesus Christ. And this is why in the same chapter with the grace of God are the aged always telling the younger. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 15. What's going to help our lifestyle? What's going to help our lifestyle is the fact that the end game is the gospel. Y'all listen to this. Cleaning up is not to look better than somebody else. Cleaning up is not to say, hey, I look better than you and I'm better than you. No, no, no. The purpose of me living the holy and the godly and the righteously as much as I can is because I'm going to meet a lost person and I'm going to need to tell them about Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Timothy 3.15, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and what? Ground of truth. Do you know, you know what the church house is for? And the, the, the church house is for this. Are you ready? It's the halftime. It's when believers come into the house of God and the preacher gets up and he preaches the word of God and then you and I see, oh, oh, Man, I need to adjust that in my life. Why? So that when you leave here, you can give the gospel, and they know you have credibility. The next thing, that's why church is very, very important. And if you would, go to James, and I'm done. Go to James chapter 1. Musicians, if you'll come. James chapter 1. Is your lifestyle gospel-friendly? James chapter 1. It doesn't mean you've always done everything right, but it means you always go back and do what is right. Look at James chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and by the superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was." But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Ladies and gentlemen, this Bible, whether it's preached or you read it, the whole point, the whole point of church and the Bible is this, not for in here, it's for out there. When the preacher says, straighten up your language, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 I got I to straighten up my language. Why? So that you can use the same tongue that cursed to be the same tongue that could go, let me tell you about Jesus. I'm going back all the way to the beginning. God uniquely placed you where you're at. You say, well, there's certain rules of engagement on the job. I understand that. But isn't it amazing that the time 
the relationship you fix that you spend off the clock, those breaks, those times before and after, even those text messages that you send back and forth to coworkers, those kind of things you've, you've got to understand. God gave you where you live, who you are, your DNA, everything about you was designed by God. He saved you for heaven. He left you to tell other people about heaven. And then if you're not peculiar, we're not going to get it done. Who is the last person in your cosmos, in your world? Be it a family member, co-worker, neighbor. That you said, can I, can I talk to you? I don't want to leave here without asking you a very important question. Do you know Christ as your Savior? How many waitresses have been friendly to you? God's not having them be friendly to you and be grouchy to the next table. You know why they're being friendly to you? Because God puts you right there at that moment. But how many of us have walked away from a restaurant and a table and never talked to this person we interacted with and we joked with about the Savior? You and I have been uniquely placed. But if we're not peculiar in our place, now y'all stop and just listen. I'm not talking about being weird. All right? I'm talking about being peculiar. And there is a difference. I'm talking about people know you're different. Please, if your lifestyle is not backing up the gospel, teenagers, listen, you have this unique ability. You, you just right there, you can make a difference. You, you're not trapped by baggage. You're not trapped by junk. You singles, you, you've, you've, you've got it right there. You've not lived long enough to make the mistakes that hamper older people. Please use your life as a vehicle to get the gospel out. And I promise you, this is why you were led. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.